Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're talking about a question that's on a lot of investors' minds. It's a question I get frequently. We keep hearing from the Federal Reserve and from government officials in the Treasury Department that inflation this year, while elevated, is expected to be transitory. That is to say, it's temporary. Now, we've seen rents increase. We've seen sales prices increase sharply in a lot of markets in response to low supply of housing. When it comes to certain commodity prices, we've seen prices rise and fall based on short-term supply and demand dynamics in the market. I'm thinking specifically of lumber. It peaked back in May at over $1,700 per thousand board foot, and today it's fallen almost 70% from that peak in May. We don't see that much volatility in real estate. Prices move more slowly. We have seen some high-growth markets experience significant rent growth. I'm thinking of markets like Nashville and Austin. Rent growth is positive for property owners and not so great for tenants. But if you're looking to add supply to a particular submarket, how do you construct your financial model? What can you count on for rental comps? If rents were, say, $1.30 per square foot in your submarket prior to the pandemic, and today they might have risen to, say, $1.60 a square foot, maybe some of that even in the past six months, What should you use as the long-term outlook? What number should you base your rents on? If inflation is expected to be running at nearly 4.8% this year, should you expect further rent growth? How should you model the rising cost of expenses? The historically accepted number over the past couple of years for rent growth and expense growth has been that 2% number, even though there's a lot of evidence the true number is closer to 3%. Now, if new product in the market has asking rents of, say, $1.80 a square foot, or about $0.20 per square foot above the market average, do you assume $1.60 a square or $1.80 a square in your analysis? How do you effectively model the rent for your project when the data seems to be all over the place? It's possible that a year from now, rents are back down around that $1.30 a square foot. The difference between those two numbers makes the difference between a viable project and one that would be an outright failure. Of course, anything's possible, and I suppose it's a matter of determining what's likely. In my opinion, it comes down to assessing the amount of new product in the pipeline. If the volume of new product entering the market is roughly balanced with historic absorption rates, you can feel pretty good about targeting your asking rent somewhere near the current asking rent. If you go above the market price, you're going to be in the realm of offering rent concessions to bring the numbers back down to the current rent or maybe even below the current market rent in order to entice people to live in your property. Rents have a general tendency to stick. They tend to ratchet upwards. Even older buildings tend to increase rent, but more slowly. Unless a building's truly an inferior quality living space, you can expect to see rent increases approaching the market average. The rising cost of land and the rising cost of construction are the major factors that drive higher asking rent for new buildings. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the laws of supply and demand. You want to make sure you're going to be able to lease your building quickly enough so you don't end up upside down with negative cash flow. The key to protecting yourself against that pricing risk is to have a product that's differentiated in the market. If your proposed product is going to be a commodity and easily comparison shopped, then you're at greater financial risk to the market averages. But let's say you have a product that's unique. Maybe it's student housing across the street from the medical school. Well, there's no other product in the market across the street from the medical school. Market averages can move up and down, but there's no other product that competes directly with your offering at any price. If your target client is, say, senior independent living on the riverfront, outside the potential flood zone, of course, then there's not a lot of competition for that product. 
Could there be other rental apartments in the area? Well, of course. But there are not likely to be many other choices for seniors on the river. Your target clients want to get up for a walk daily and they want to be able to have an amazing walking path right outside their door. If they have to walk three blocks to get to the river, it's not the same. We're trained as real estate investors to make decisions based on the numbers. And your lender is certainly going to fund your project based on the numbers. They're not going to be very speculative when it comes to the financial model. The lender will base their model on concrete numbers in the immediate area. And it's possible they don't have very strong comps. Bottom line is that there's always going to be some risk with new construction. But if you underwrite the project, assuming today's numbers for a project that's coming out of the ground in one or two years from now, recognizing that we're in an inflationary environment, you're probably going to be fairly safe. But if you start speculating that rents are going to be higher by the rate of inflation two years from now, now you're starting to take a little bit more risk. My recommendation and the way that we underwrite things internally, we use today's rents for projects that are going to be coming out of the ground in the future. That way we feel pretty sure that rents will be at or above the current rents. That gives the project some upside potential and protects us on the downside. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.